Let's get this outlaw bit started. What's up, y'all? It's Champion from Country Club Outlaw, and you are listening to the Country Club Outlaw podcast. Today we have a special guest, head pro at Wakona Country Club, teacher extraordinaire, always doing his best to keep long drinking business, the legendary Mark Dwayne. Thanks for coming in. How you doing? Nice to be here, Connor. So, how'd you get into golf? How did I get into golf? <clears throat> well, I think actually uh, it was my father that asked me what I was going to do for a spring sport when I was going into high school. And uh, my father was a somewhat of an av- avid golfer. So, uh, actually got my start with my dad playing golf on Wednesdays at Skyline. He would actually bring me, usually had a group of four, and if a guy was not playing, he would include me in his foursome, and, uh, you know, and then they would, then they would go in and they would, um, they would have a couple of, couple of cocktails after the round, and I would sneak back out, Mr. Trasati owned Skyland at the time, and he would let me go back out and play extra holes. So I kind of got, you know, it's a love, hey, I got bitten, and, and, uh, I've been playing for, for years now so that's really kind of how I got into it I hated it before that actually I, I had tried it in a clinic at Berkshire Hills probably a couple years prior to that and I couldn't even get the ball airborne so <laughs> from then to now you know so this question's from Steve Rogers what are the best and worst rounds you remember playing <sighs> got a lot of bad rounds that's for sure um Probably one of my best rounds actually was at Berkshire Hills um, one afternoon. The legend Steve McGargle and I threw uh, our clubs on a cart and loaded up some beverages and, and went out and just a casual round turned into my best round there, um, which was 67. Um, and I think our best ball score was like, I don't know, it was like 60. 60, 61. Really? Yeah, he he was like I mean, he's, crazy too. Yeah, it was just one of those random rounds where everything goes in, all the bounces go your way. Yeah. Um. I don't know. Worst round. Worst round. Uh, <laughs> I can't really pinpoint it, but I've had some holes that certainly would contribute to a bad round. Um. Probably my worst start in golf was I was the first. I qualified for the Mass Am and it was being hosted at Longmeadow Country Club in Longmeadow and uh, you know they throw your they throw all your names in a hat and Mm -hmm. they just draw random names out and I was actually the first player to tee off in the tournament so you ever played Longmeadow? Yeah I have so you know there's like you know it's it's a good opening hole but there's the road on the left and there's a hedgerow and Mm -hmm. so you know you just want to just want to keep the ball in play. Just want to hit it out somewhere in front of you. Yeah. So, of course, you know they nounch in all that. So I go up, and freaking snap hook the first one out in the road. Walk back to my bag, re-tee, next one out in the road. So you know, so you know where the third one was. The third one was almost freaking. I don't even know. Down the, the next fairway, fairway, next right? fairway over. Yeah. So, but um. I've had I've had a lot of 
bad rounds. Tournament golf. The probably, I don't know if it was my worst round, but the last year I played club championship here at Wakona, you know, you shoot 375s and, you know, basically. Right there. It's it's, it's the tournament. I mean, it, yeah. you're right around 375s. So I went out and um, the first the first round I shot um, the first the first round I shot 68 and the second round I shot 70. Mm -hmm. Peter Bacon, who's won it like I don't know 17 times, he's got yeah. like this crazy record of championships here. He uh, I was only ahead by like a stroke or two, and then the last the last round I just I couldn't hold it together. Mm -hmm. He, you know, put the nail in the coffin, so to speak. So, but that was that was probably the one of the rounds that I really wish I could have Take over. Back. Yeah. So. So you've been working in the golf industry for twenty five years now. This will be my twenty fifth year as a PGA professional. How did you? What propelled you to go into the golf industry in the first place? Um. I guess I really didn't know what I wanted to do. I did a couple of years at Berkshire. I got my degree at Berkshire Community College, and, and I was up here actually at the time. And I worked for um, a summer for Paul Daniels uh, in the golf shop here, where we sit right now. And um, you know, I was pretty passionate about the game, and and decided to go to UMass and pursue a degree in sport management. So once I graduated from UMass, I um, made the decision to get make this my career. And so right after I graduated, I got into the PGA program and started going to, to the schools. And, and uh, I did that for kind of what I would call kind of the traditional work as an assistant for a number of years and then got a head pro job at Worthington um, and uh, after that after I left Worthington I taught for about 20 years um, some of those years were actually here on this property and uh, a couple of years ago the, the board approached me and asked me if I'd be interested in coming on full-time and I'm, I'm back in the I'm back into it again so um, not that I ever really got away from it mm -hmm. but I, I'm back in the full-time role yeah so during your PGA schools, you met a character named Gerald Fitzgerald. Oh, God, Jerry. <laughs> Jerry. Uh, and so there's, I mean, sure, I'm sure you have a lot of stories about him. I've heard a lot of stories about him. A lot of stories. Jerry's a, Jerry's there a. There was one up down in, what was it, Philadelphia, your first school? I yeah, I think yeah, it actually was Philly. Our first school met met Jerry. It was uh, we actually ended up sitting together in our first. I don't even know what they called it back then, but it was I guess kind of like your first stage, if you will, at PGA school. So you know, Jerry, is, we just kind of hit it off, and and uh, long story short, we were just chatting, and we're in this really bad part of Philadelphia, and the and the hotel we stayed at. I walked in and the and the, they had bulletproof glass, and it was like, like it was inches thick. It was like, you know, and I'm like, oh, Jesus, where the hell am I staying? How the hell did I book this place? 
Well, turns out I recognized him from you know being in the in the hotel. Yeah. So we got got shooting the breeze, and uh, so he he decides at lunchtime he finds this flyer in mm-hmm. the in this hotel we're in, like in the lobby or whatever, and yeah. it's got this uh, it's got this ad in there for. A gentleman's club, might we say. Uh, Delilah's Den, I'll never forget the name of it. I think it actually still may be in operation. So he he went into the, the PGA's business office while everybody was at lunch and made copies and made this invitation and put it on everybody's, everybody, in front of everybody's seat when they came back from lunch and got up and made an announcement saying that he talked to them that they were going to serve like heavy hors d'oeuvres and dinner, <laughs> and that they waived the cover fee. Cover fee and tried to get like all the, you know, the senior PGA guys to go and the guys and girls in the class. So, so fast forward, we end up we end up there, and uh, I don't know. There's probably like 15. You know, there was actually guys and gals mm-hmm. that showed up, and it was just hysterical. And uh, yeah, it was it was uh, it was a lot of fun. Always a lot of a lot of laughs with Jerry. I mean, he's he's a great guy, but uh, a character, and has has the Irish, you know, yeah. great Irish wit. But there was uh, a presentation on time management that oh he gave, God. right? Oh God! <laughs> so that was our first school. So we actually, so subsequently, I think I did my second school. Well, it was probably actually my first school by myself in Buffalo in the winter. And then we went back together. So, yeah, so that was my last school. We, we ended up to do our final presentation. Um, you had to take these tests along the way in mm-hmm. the different schools. And then your final thing is you got to find a subject. And so Jerry picks Jerry picks time management. Now, you gotta you got to picture there's... You know, all you got probably thirty or forty guys and girls in the class. Yeah. Everybody's getting up. It's probably not that many, but everybody's getting up, and they got over a couple of days. They got to do their presentation. It's held to I think they give you fifteen minutes. You got to kind of be on the button. So, Jerry gets up, and his subject is uh, time management, and uh, so he he's going on about all the things that happen in in the course of a day of being a golf professional and. And how you kind of get absorbed by different members or guests and their their needs, and yeah. you know you can't really get things done. And he said that he had these two two members that he had a couple of chairs in his golf shop, mm-hmm. and they would come in every morning after the round or before the round, and they would just they were like fixtures. They just mm-hmm. they wouldn't leave, and they'd sit in these chairs. So he said. Couldn't get anything done because they were talking, they're asking them questions and talking about you know their blow by blow, their rounds. Yeah. So he says, "Well, I'll straighten this out." So he says, "So he says if if you know you have people like that, he said you need a three legged chair." So he's like, "What the hell's a three legged chair?" So what he did is he went took the chairs from the golf shop and he went into the back room and took a saw and he shortened one of the legs. So when he went to sit in it, it was like you know. All wonky. So the guys came back in, and they were. Then they started bitching about the chairs. Like, what the hell's going on? He goes, I don't know what's the time. I don't know what happened. You know. So, so that was this whole thing. And now everybody in the class is like dying because I can't. I don't have the delivery of Jerry, but yeah, it was pretty freaking funny that uh, 
you know how he how he would go to those extremes to try to get stuff done and, mm -hmm. and just his point was you know if that's what you got to do that's what you got to do so but one of the only Irishmen when you go to a, like a pub in Buffalo and they got yeah. like 50 handles in the place mm -hmm. and he looks up and down the bar and a bartender comes on and he goes yeah I'll have a Chianti <laughs> Jerry I get Guinness and he says, no, he goes, you never order unless it's flowing. I said, what do you mean it's flowing? He goes, you got to have 10 pints on the bar before you drink it. If it's not flowing, I ain't going to drink it. I said, so you go to Chianti? He goes, that's what I'm going to. I'm going to Chianti. <laughs> so, could be the only Irishman that drinks Chianti. I don't know. Could be. But, so you've been teaching golf for a good portion of your career. And I found somewhere that you've taught golf to over 6,000 people. Is that about Easily. right? Easily. Easily. Yep. What so, is the funniest lesson or clinic that you've ever given? Well, probably actually one of the one of the, I got I got a few, but we'll start with this one. So the, one of the first lessons I had, this guy uh, came and he says, "Ah, Mark," he goes, "I'm I'm hitting the ball a little heavy." So, you know, you think we can go down and hit some balls and see if you take a look? I said, yeah, sure, we'll go down and take a look. So it's at Berkshire Hills at the time. So we go down, we go down to the range, and I said, you know, just get warmed up and stretch out whatever mm -hmm. you normally do. And I said, you know, just hit a number of balls out. I'll kind of take a look and assess, see what's going on. So honest to God, I'm like, is this like candid camera? Is this like for real? So mm -hmm. the guy, he's not hitting heavy, but he's like, he, he's like digging trenches. I mean, he, he put like an excavator out of business. I mean, he, these pelts he's pulling up, and he's got graphic sh graphite shafts. They're easily well over an inch deep, and they're like they're like 10 inches, 12 inches long. And I'm like, and he just and he's like ripping balls one after the other. I mean, they're just, just side flying everywhere. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, time out, time out. So. You know, he had, literally had the ball. He's hitting seven irons, and the ball was like four inches behind. He's right-handed, mm -hmm. four inches behind his right foot, his trail foot. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, oh my god! And then, um, and then I actually gave uh, lessons to uh, a group, and uh, you know, you know, they had they had some issues, but it, I I found it very entertaining that uh, this one gentleman showed up in a dress for for a lesson, and that was. Caught me a little off guard, but I held it together, and he was a lot of fun. Uh, obviously, he had a yeah. sense of humor. So, but I've you know you see it all. You see the good, the bad, the frustrated. Um, one of my clients a couple of years ago, she went from basically being on the verge of quitting and uh, work with her, and she was very patient and and worked back. Actually, she was player of the year for the women here at Wakona last year, so oh, really? very impressive. Yeah. What's one of the funniest moments working in the golf industry, you have to say? Maybe your moment that sticks out. <laughs> Probably a few of them I can't share on here, but um, <laughs> the funniest. I don't know. I'd have to, that's a really good question. There's, there's a lot of kind of crazy stuff that goes on yeah. day to day you know, stuff. day to day stuff and then you know certainly there's been a lot of 
interesting times when we say after the, the golf shop closes and, you know, you might wander into the clubhouse. Um, but there's, there's just, I think, the thing in golf that I think really kind of attracts a lot of the members or people who play is just the camaraderie and the, and the fun that people have day to day, um, the pranks. Um, mm -hmm. You know, one of the one of the members here last year, uh, Matt Morrison actually put me up to it. He he was in Florida and he kept calling Matt up saying he wanted to pay for his dues. So Matt says, when he comes in, tell him that the board voted that he was going to be put on the waiting list. So this guy walks in and he says, uh, "Hey, I just I'm I'm here to pay my dues." And I says, "Hey, I said I'm." I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but I said, you know, the, the board went through and looked at all the people that hadn't made their payments on time, and, you know, unfortunately you were one of them, so you're, you're on the waiting list. I said, I'm not really sure where you stand. Well, he, seriously, he turned purple. He was freaking hot. <laughs> and he started letting me have it. So Matt, meanwhile, is across the hallway at the bag room, just about pissing his pants. He come over. And so the guy to this day can't believe that. He goes, I can't believe you held a straight face and said it to me. He goes, you know. I says, well, listen. I says, I, if I started laughing, it wouldn't have had the same yeah. effect. So he still to this day thinks that that was. Well, then there was a prank this year, wasn't there? There was another one this year. Same guy. So we had to get him again. So I, it was kind of, you know, we didn't have a lot of time to put anything together. So I says, he, you know, he likes to smoke cigars. And, and you know, his yeah. being up there you know the people they, they just they leave their cigars all over the place and they they like the little the little nook where the ball holders are so they're full of ashes so I says I typed up a thing and I put it on the pro shop counter in one of my little displays saying that you know any any cigar smokers this year will be assessed a hundred dollar fee you mm -hmm. know to make up for the damage on the carts and, yeah. and he wasn't really too happy about that <laughs> so he sauntered out Again, you know, yeah. hook, line, and sinker, and then he got with Matt the next day having coffee, and Matt, you know, couldn't hold it together yeah. and, and blew the cover, and it, you know, it he lost. He's been pretty good about it, though, this year, He's been from what I've seen. Good. Yeah, pretty good. <laughs> so it worked. Yeah. But so you're the pro up at Worthington for a number of years, and I've heard there's some interesting things that occur up there. Oh. You want to give us your top three? Yeah, so, I mean, there, there's probably, you know, this is obviously, this is a great club, uh, you know, great membership here at Wakona, and I think, you know, one of the things that, you know, my father, um, when I was pro up there, he actually, he was great. He would come up if I was shorthanded or whatever, and he would work, and um, it just, it's a, it's a great setting, that, and the membership up there was just, there were Fantastic! Just a great mm -hmm. bunch of people. Um, actually, you know, a lot of the members became my friends, and, and we still keep in touch. Um, but you know, being kind of out of the way, we would get some of the the people that like to maybe try to be off the radar, yeah. and um, you know, so we had some some uh, some famous uh, celebrities that would you know would would visit the course and. Uh, we actually had uh, I had a guy walk in the shop one day, and and I'm in there. I, you know, we get it was a 
private, but we would allow some outside play. And he, mm-hmm. he walks in, he stands at the counter, he goes, I want to draw you. And I'm like, where the hell is this going? <laughs> you know, like, are you like this, you know, artist and I have to, you know, post? What's, what's yeah. You know, I'm like, what, what do you mean? So he goes, oh, he goes, I, he probably didn't sound right. I said, no, I kind of didn't, but whatever. <laughs> so he says, no, he goes, I'm an illustrator for, um, I believe it was Golf Magazine. And he says, uh, would you be interested in letting me? So I don't know if you've ever seen Golf Magazine yeah. where you, you open it up and there's like a, he illustrates. He's done it for years. And he'll pick uh, a theme. So for me, for me it was, uh, I think it was like golf and fitness, right? So he's got me outside <laughs> holding like a, I think I was holding like a, I don't know, like a granola bar or something, mm-hmm. right? And so they, he drew it. And he actually gave me the original. And so, were uh, you in Golf Magazine? Yeah, yeah. My, really? Yeah, my my drawing of me was in there. It was pretty pretty good. Huh. And uh, <laughs> you know, it's kind of weird seeing you as a you know. Usually, draw myself as a stick figure through these years. Yeah. So it was, you know, <laughs> the rendition was pretty good. But um, so anyway, um, we uh, that was that was one tale, and then we actually had. Um, we had uh, this other this other guy came in and uh, he he would bring different people with him. He was uh, he was an attorney down in New York City, and so one day I'm sitting there and uh, all of a sudden, like these guys come in and there was a restaurant upstairs and mm-hmm. they were all dressed in you know like nice suits, right? Yeah. I'm like, so I don't really think too much of. I see them walking through the locker room, or maybe, you know, they're going upstairs for the venue. And then I was thinking, I'm like, I don't remember them talking about a wedding. So guy, another guy walks in, same thing, dressed in a you know, nice suit, and he walks by me by the counter, and I had a little office in the corner. He mm-hmm. goes in, he's, like, looking behind. I'm like, can I help you? He doesn't really say too much, and he says, uh, no, no. He's, and he walks out. He doesn't, like, really interact yeah. with me. I'm like, this is freaking bizarre. So I walk out, I'll go upstairs, and the girl in the, the kitchen, I said, Kristen, I said, what, what's going on? You got a wedding up here? I know, or some function? No, what are you talking about? So I'm like, I don't know, there's a bunch of suits walking around here. I don't know what's going on. So I walk back downstairs, and this guy that would come and play, he had a guess. He goes, oh, Mark, he goes, I'm sorry about all the the, the fanfare here. I said, well, what's, what's up? He goes, well, he goes, my guest, he goes, my guest was the, the judge on the first World Trade Center bombings. And he goes, this is the Secret Service with him. So oh. I had, so, so I had like, I don't know, there was like six, eight guys, mm-hmm. all dressed in suits, you know, they, and, and so now they're going out to play. So I, you know, I'm like, oh, geez, you know, I was kind of quiet. So I walk up, I said to one of the Secret Service guys, I said, you guys going to walk the course? He goes, yeah. I says, dress, you know, with like dress shoes, right? Yeah. I said, you know, you guys want to take a couple carts? And he goes, oh, no, no. Walk and they had a couple guys up ahead, a couple guys with them. I think yeah. there was maybe six. A couple guys ahead, a couple guys with them, a couple guys, guys behind them. But it was like, you know, so you don't expect to see yeah. stuff Secrets. like that. So <laughs> yeah. it was like, it was it was pretty crazy. So, <laughs> you know, and then um, one of the members up there was uh, Secretary of State George Schultz. Yeah. Yeah. So he would come in. I always knew when he would come because he had like his shoes, his golf shoes. Would like squeak when he walked. 
So you ever watch Cheers? That behind yeah. you? So Cheers when Cliff Clavin sold the, the squeaky shoes. Mm-hmm. That's all I could think of. <laughs> but he was a super nice guy. Come up and play like the month of July. That was his thing. Come up, just hang out. That's cool. Yep. So there was a lot of a lot of the who's who hung out up there. I guess so. Don't really expect that from that course. So what's the, your favorite course you've ever played in your golf career? My favorite course, um, who? That's a good one. Well, probably, probably one of my favorites um, that I played years ago. I played Harbor Town, and that was it's a long time ago. I don't remember, but I just remember it was you know what a great course it was, and I was I was uh, really excited to to be able to play it. Um, that was probably one of the more well-known courses that I played, but um, uh, I played a I played a couple courses. Uh, I, I played Sock and Valley down in uh, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. That was that was a great course. Uh, I played with a, a good friend of mine. We played down there, um, and I played a lot of other uh, several courses, kind of like down in Westchester area. Mm-hmm. I uh, played Quaker Ridge with a friend of mine. Uh, Sean Powers was actually the, the assistant there at the time. Um, and my uncle had done some work on that course, too. Did, did some renovation work uh, as an architect there. So that was kind of neat to play that. And actually, that golf course, they were having the Walker Cup. Um, and me and uh, Sean, a couple other guys played. And... Uh, they were they fertilized and watered the rough mm-hmm. for the Walker Cup, right? So we teed off and you know narrow fairways. They tighten everything up, narrow fairways, mm-hmm. and um, so we all we were all in the right rough, and um, so we had caddies, and so the caddies walked up and and they would they would find they would find your ball and they would take a club out of your bag and they'd lay it down on the grass. Mm-hmm. Because the, gra- the grass was so long, they just they needed to identify it. Well, the grass was so long, I can't remember who it was. The, we couldn't find the club. The guy laid down in the, in the rough. It was <laughs> that long. So you learn pretty quick, like if you hit it in there, you had to hit, you know, like sand wedge out to get it back in play. Yeah. But, um, yeah, there's a lot of really nice clubs down in that in that area. Um, and actually, it was funny. We were, we, were, we were having a beer after we played uh, with Sean, and we are like, hey, you know, we see signs for wingfoot around here you know yeah you know where's wingfoot so he goes ah he goes you know we'll have another beer he goes well i'll, t- I'll take you there so sitting there we have another beer and so we walk downstairs and i'm standing by his car mm-hmm. and he just keeps walking me and the other guy are standing by the car and, and sean just keeps walking he goes what are you guys doing he says i thought we were going to wingfoot he goes yeah j- no he goes we're just gonna walk so we walked from his apartment mm-hmm across the street through these people's yard they weren't even like there this beautiful yeah. big and through their backyard was like I don't know what hole like the 16th hole mm-hmm. and he goes yeah he goes and there was no it was like 6.30 at night 7 o'clock at night there's nobody there mm-hmm. it's like the golf course is like shut down yeah. not a soul on it he goes yeah he goes I come over here at night and hit bunker shots you know just like I don't know if it was the east or west course but it was yeah. like <laughs> pretty wild so another one of your friends, Ron Booty, who 
we lost um, ten years ago now. Yeah, the boat man. Legend has it he was a big hitter and a hell of a golfer. Yeah, so I think Ron actually uh, he could hit a golf ball a freaking mile. Um, he actually, I think, really early on when they had the long drive contest, he would mm-hmm. actually go site to site and just you know so he could really bust it out there. I don't recall, you know, if he ever made it through a stage or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he he was a lot of fun to play with, and he and I. Would play the so year for years they had the Bruce Crane Pro Am here at Wakona, and so I would take, um, and I guess I was either probably at the Country Club of Pittsfield or wherever, um, and you got to take a, you know, a guess. So I, mm-hmm. I would always take Ron with me when yeah. we would play here, and uh, always have a real good time. So he was my. My guest here for years, but we played a lot of golf together around there. I mean, we we go all the way back to high school um, when he was at St. Joe for a little while until he transferred to another school. Um, that's a story in itself. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, he great guy, a lot of fun on the golf course, hit it a mile. So if Just, there's a story I don't recall from one of those programs, you are out of the industry, but still playing in programs. No, was I, was like still, I was still. Run, in, it was I was one still of your in. first rounds of the season, or something like that. Yeah, it was. Uh, um, no, I was kind of in the middle of the year, but it was. It was. Uh, it was. It was at Granite. So, so kind of the. So we, I, there was a, a pro am down at Granite for for years, and it was actually it was actually a really good tournament. I mean, it was good prize money, and um, it was a good field, and so. I guess it was the 16th hole there, a little par three down the hill. So I, I knocked knocked one in, uh, my one and only hole in one. So, mm-hmm. so I I get done right, and yeah. so you know probably not the most the best timing to make a hole in one. So you know I do my thing. I go in and I tell the bartender, you know, buy everybody a you know yeah. round. And uh, so I made you know I I did well in the tournament. The team did well. There was you know there was like a uh, cash prizes for. Um, it's closest to the pin, right? So, yeah. so I did well. So I, I, I give my wife a call. I'm like, hey, you'll never believe it, right? So I, I she goes, why? I says, well, I said, I'm. I said, I just finished playing, and um, I said, I, you'll never believe it. I got a hole in one. She goes, you shit me. She goes, what kind of car did you win? <laughs> and I didn't even dawn on me, right? So I'm like, son of a bitch. I said, you know, I. Yeah, no, no freaking car yeah. in that hole, right? So next year, you want to guess? There's a car in the hole. There was a car in the hole. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, but it's funny. Uh, it actually, another hole in one story. My 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 father, it was really kind of my he was my mentor in golf. Um, my very first pro am was a uh, pro senior at Wabika, mm-hmm. and. Uh, and uh, my father, on the fifth hole there, got his first hole in one. Really? Yep. And uh, I got to witness it in the first pro-am. Um, and I don't know if I've ever seen my father bust moves like that, but it was, it was pretty <laughs> impressive. Yeah, he was excited. We were all really excited. So, some good times. So, I believe there was a story. I believe you were playing with Ron and you were working in construction, but you guys were playing, I believe it was pro-am. I think you told me a story where you shot like 75 and the guy, Ron was busting your chops saying, hey, you played a little more. 
then the guys were shocked that you're playing with me. <laughs> yeah, so I was actually yeah. So, so the other my other life <clears throat> when I kind of got out and I was teaching part time for a not good number of years, twenty years or so. My other my winter job, which was in construction, uh, I actually worked for Ron for a while, and then his boss kind of absorbed me, um, or not his boss, but his his um, the guy that he subcontracted for. Anyway, so. I didn't really play a whole lot of golf, but here comes mm -hmm. the Bruce Crane again, and Ron yeah. and I would play. And I didn't pick up a – I don't even know if I played once or twice that, that mm -hmm. summer. And, you know, with kids and just everything, um, that took precedence. So I still signed up, and here, here Ron and I go, and I shoot – I don't know, I shot like 74, 75, and we're all sitting around having dinner. I, You know, nobody knows anything, the other two AMs I was with. Yeah. And uh, Ryan goes, Jesus, you know, Mark, he goes, that was a pretty good round. He goes, but, you know, imagine if you if you actually played more than once or twice before before this event. The guys were looking at me, you, you don't play? And I'm like, no, honestly, I didn't. I, didn't, I played maybe twice this summer. And they're like, you got to be kidding me. I play every day. And I, you know, I said, well. So going back to hole ones, do you think hole ones are skill or luck? I think I think it's a lot of luck, honestly. I mean, my father caddied for years, um, Shawnee on the Delaware, and um, in the Poconos, and he would caddy, and he had this, you know, I'm going to say this elderly lady, um, and you know, he said like she hit it, and it and it hit a rock in front of the green, and like ricocheted, and mm -hmm. went over, and like. You know, hit the flag set going, you know, at a high rate of speed and like dropped in. Yeah. But then when she got in the clubhouse, the story changed where it was this beautiful, soft, high <laughs> shot onto the green. <laughs> you know, rolled into the cup, you know, just like, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, I think, I, I mean, obviously, skill does help, you know, if you can hit it near the hole, but, um, you know, it is just. It's so random. I mean, statistically, I think. I mean, there was years here at Wakona when I was, you know, considered probably a junior golfer here. They used to have a green that was probably like 150 yards, and it was off to the side, kind of over by the maintenance building. Mm -hmm. And I would hit shag bag after shag bag after shag bag, and I never made one there. I mean, I would, I've yeah. hit thousands and thousands of balls. I mean, so it's just, you know, a lot of luck. Yeah. So what's your best golf memory? I haven't already. Well, I say I probably killed that one, but I, I think one of my favorites was obviously seeing my father make a hole-in-one in, in my first Pro-Am. I think that, mm -hmm. was, that was obviously pretty special. Um, you know, I think, I think when you walk off the golf course and you've, you know, you've tried your best, and, and I think it's, it's great to really have a good round and the way you feel uh, coming off the course as opposed mm -hmm. to when you have maybe a not so good round. Um, you know, I think that's one of the things that kind of pushes us all. It's just to, to try to improve and to try to just, uh, you know, have a lower score or try yeah. to minimize our mistakes. So. so I understand one of your uncles was involved in golf. How how so? 
So my my father's um, my uncle Frank, my father's brother, um, was a uh, he got his degree in forestry. I think um, I don't remember exactly where, but it's one of the colleges in upstate New York. Um, and I actually got his start uh, in golf, working with Robert Trent Jones Sr. Uh, working in his firm as a golf course architect and designed, oh, you know, just a, a lot of golf courses with Trent Jones and under Trent Jones. And then um, I would say probably in the, uh, the late to, well, it was, probably a, it was probably more in the early 70s, he went out on his own and he actually partnered up with uh, Arnold Palmer and did um, several courses with Palmer. So um, my son, who was working out in San Diego, before he came back, he uh, went out and played one of his courses, um, uh, Half Moon Bay out in California. Mm -hmm. Just uh, he's, the last several holes are right along the yeah. water. He said it was absolutely beautiful. So um, I've played a few of his courses. Um, it would be, you know, that would be like a huge bucket list thing to play. All of them. You know, yeah, it, it, even a great number of the ones that he's mm -hmm. done. It's kind of. It's kind of neat, you know, to see what he's he's done and to walk the properties and yeah. um, just the way he thought. So, yeah, that was it's actually very something I'm very proud of and, and something I, I like to talk about from time to time. People will listen. <laughs> so I understand you went to the Masters. Oh, God. Right? Yeah, 04 and 07. 04 and 07. What was that like, being on property at Augusta? The... Um, you know, you talk about what's your favorite golf course. I mean, condition-wise, I don't really think you're going to find a property um, from an agronomy standpoint that's anything like that. It's just, mm -hmm. it, it's almost, it's almost so perfect that it it looks in some ways it looks fake. Yeah. Um, from the flowers to the you know the fairways and the just the conditions there are unbelievable and. Um, you know, TV does, the grounds are no justice in, in regards to uh, the topography on the greens, especially the undulations. Um, you know, the surfaces they put on are just, they're, the speed <laughs> and the skill it takes to, to navigate yeah. those, um, you know, I think they would ruin most golfers um, pretty quickly. So that, that was... Uh, Lot of lot of fun, lot of fun on the golf course, and and certainly it's a great guys trip. If you ever mm -hmm. get a chance to go down, um, not that the gals wouldn't enjoy it too, but but um, you know we would go out and have some great dinners and and mm -hmm. uh, found a few of the local spots, yeah. a few few people that we were able to get in and uh, you know get to some certain seating quickly. So That's cool. yep, good times. Now, is there any course that you would, per se, like a bucket list course that you'd love to play? Well, like we said, I mean, I think I'd, I'd love to try to put All a bucket list, you know, some of my uncle's course, but um, you know, I think some of those great private clubs, I mean, you know, the, the open courses, um, you know, the, and, and some of the courses that, like, the USGA holds, you know, yeah. some of their premier events, I mean, there's... There's just so many golf courses across the country that, you know, people will come in and say, oh, have you ever played yada, yada, yada? And I'm, I'm, no, no, I haven't. And, you know, they, and you go on and you look at it online or whatever. It's like, oh, my God, yeah. you know, it's just so, um, 
No, I think there's a long list of courses I'd like to like to definitely play. Um, you know, there's courses close to even here that I haven't played. But the mm -hmm. other one, going back to an earlier question you asked, and 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 it, it's coming to mind now. Probably one of my favorite courses I played, certainly in Massachusetts, was the Country Club down in Brookline. Mm -hmm. um, and a good friend of mine uh, who was on the grounds crew at the time uh, got me down there to play. And we played uh, the Clyde and the Squirrel. We played from all the way back. And then <clears throat> they used three holes on the Primrose um, for what was, I think, the last open layout. Mm -hmm. He knew what they were. And I'm like, God, can we sneak out? You know, can we? He goes, ah, we really probably shouldn't. But okay, let's go. <laughs> so we went out and played the other three holes. So I actually yeah. got to play kind of, not in a traditional sense, in order, but got to play all the holes that they would set up for the open. That was that was a beautiful golf course. How tough was it? It was tough. It was real tough. Played well there, but it was tough. So one of my actually one of my better rounds. Really. So you've been teaching for years, and this is a f free tip, so you don't have to overindulge. But are there any tips you have for beginner golfers slash golfers trying to get better? I think one of the one of the most important things for any golfer, and and I've gotten, I think I think one of the things is an instructor. You actually evolve through the years, uh, and you learn from players. But fundamentally, one of the most important things that any player can have is a proper grip. If you have the proper grip, you're going to be able to control the club. Um, you're going to be able to generate more power. You're going to be able to hit the ball straighter. Um, and, that, you know, in my instruction, I think one of the, the things that I really have always um, kind of leaned upon were the fundamentals, not only the grip, but the posture, the setup, the ball position, um, your alignment. Um, you know, really, the, I think the key thing that people need to understand is, you know, technology is great now. Um, YouTube and all the videos that are out there that, that mm -hmm. there's a lot of good material out there you have to put the right prescription with the right element yeah. um, you just can't say oh well this is gonna fix this slice you can slice the ball for countless different reasons um, but I think if you stick to the fundamentals I find that most people if they start well and they can get to the top of their backswing well they have a really really good opportunity hitting the ball um, most of the damage is done before the club has even mm -hmm. begun to move um, or from from the address position up to the top of the backswing. Uh, certainly there can be uh, some other things that go wrong along the way, yeah. but but for the vast majority of people, um, I think the old, you know, kiss, kiss concept is good, just keeping things simple. Um, sticking to the fundamentals and really, you know, once you have solid, a solid base of fundamentals and they're repetitive, um, I think the ability to grow as a, a golfer and improve um, are a lot easier. And the other, th the other mistake that most people play is they work so hard on their long game. So they work, they really focus and they try to um, work on the driver. You know, you mm -hmm. hit the driver, you play 18 holes, you're going to hit the driver you know, 13, 14 times maybe, you know. Yeah. Um, maybe even a little bit less than that. So, you know, where... If you want to score, people, you know, in, in a when I do an intake with people, it's like, you know, what are your what are your goals? What do you want to try to do? And they're like, well, I really want to get my handicap down. I'm like, well, we're not 
we're wasting time on the on down on the range. Yeah. Let's go up to the short game area and work on your your short game skills. And um, you know whether it's the the weekend warrior, the the guys or girls that are winning on tour. You know the rounds that are that end up coming out at least on the scorecard. The, the score is good. Um, is is it all comes down to short game inside 150, inside 100 yards. If you can. If you can manage or salvage or scramble from there, you mm-hmm. know, that's what's going to keep your game together. So I think, you know, really my message is two things. It's, it's work on your fundamentals, um, get those to be solid, and, and probably spend more time on your short game, putting, chipping, pitching, bunker play. Um, you know, your scoring clubs, say seven iron and down, mm-hmm. you know, that, that's really where the, 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 the game is won and lost or you know, where you're going to improve the most mm-hmm. and, and make the uh, the biggest impact on your game. So we talked about just crazy stuff that goes on day to day working in the golf industry. There was one story that comes to mind where one of our staff members had a scare on the golf course. <laughs> you want to go on about that? Yeah, So so, you know, I'm I'm really blessed, and I'm not saying this because you're you know doing this podcast with me, but I have a great bunch of guys and and women that actually work on my staff, <clears throat> and uh, so I want to say it was a tournament we had last year. So I take out Dan, Commander Dan, we'll call him. So we, Dan and I we go out. There's a cart that's dead out on way out on the fifth hole, sixth hole, I guess it was, between mm-hmm. five and six. So we go out, and uh, and they the, whoever was had the cart, they said, oh, it just it died, it stopped running. So I said, well, Dan, I says, I'll, I'll just push you in. So we gave the people, swapped their bags over, gave them the new cart, and, and uh, people were hitting shots, so we had to kind of hang out for a mm-hmm. minute. So, so Dan hops in the gas cart, and uh, he steps on the gas, I mean, honest to God, it sounded like a freaking 12, somebody shot a 12-gauge off and boom! And he's, he's like, I'm like, what in the hell was that, right? And so there's smoke billowing out from underneath the cart. So Dan, being the engineer he is, he's got to see what the hell's going on. So he, he goes to do his investigation. He pulls up the, pulls up the seat, and there's just smoke everywhere. The freaking battery blew up on him. <laughs> so, so after that, and it was kind of, it was kind of funny. And you know some of the stories as the yeah. summer went on. Anything that would break, we're like, Dan, Dan, did you touch that? You know, there was a couple <laughs> other like, other things that as the summer went on that, that broke that he was involved in. Nothing major, like you know, hoses and yeah, doors yeah, to the yeah, range picker. Yeah, yeah, just just <laughs> random stuff. So, well, I think I think. Uh, Dan's not the only innocent one when it comes to the range picker. So, I, I think everybody, think, no, everybody's hand, had their hands on that. Me and Mikey were the one yeah, culprits. Yeah. Oh, I said, Mikey, poor Mikey did it right in front of me one day. He just didn't know what to say. I called Dan when I broke the range picker. <laughs> yeah, you had to put the door the door handle back together. Yeah. <laughs> so, we might, I might have to leave the toolkit in here for Dan so he yeah. can... No, he He'll be on the ready. But he's, he's got a lot of work to do when he gets back. He's got a lot of work to do. Yeah, yeah. Dan, so. hurry back soon. Yeah, Dan, where are you, man? We need you. <laughs>
Okay, so now on to the quick five. So for those who aren't are new to the show, quick five is five fun questions to get to know our guests just a little bit better. If you could change lives with any one person for a day, who would it be? Dead or alive? <laughs> uh, the one I said to you off air, I'm not going to say again. Um, <laughs> no, honestly, I, I don't think I want to trade lives with anybody. Um, I think uh, I think if you're not happy with who you are and what you're doing, mm-hmm. um, I don't. I don't. Yeah, I, I just think I'm content. I don't. I don't think I'd want to change anything. Fair enough. What's your favorite club in your bag? Probably the sandwich. Um, what sandwich is it? So yeah, so the sandwiches I've used for years. I actually had two of them. I had a, um, God, these go way back. So beryllium, copper, Hogan SI, Ben Hogan SI. Um, God, I've been playing those for probably 30 years. They're like, you know, not antiquated, but I just love the look mm-hmm. of them and feel of them. And uh, I actually just switched over to a uh, Titleist Folky last summer. And it's 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 fine. But I, I think that's the club that I kind of... Um, I will default to around the greens more often than than any other. Um, so it's just it's kind of one of those real personal clubs. That mm-hmm. has, say sandwich, yeah. Okay. If you had to play one course for the rest of your life and you could only play this course, what course would it be? <clears throat> you know, honestly, I don't know that I'd want to play any one course over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. You know, I think... I think, you know, I look at members and they get so used to one course and then you, you go somewhere else and it's like they don't know how to play it. Yeah. I think I think that's that's one of the cool things in golf, and particularly at my level. You know, any, anybody, for most people, you have access to, you know, a, a great number of awesome golf courses across the country and, and to, you know, have different experiences and meet different people and, and uh, play different tracks. I mean, I think that's really what it's all about. So I wouldn't want to really pigeon my pigeonhole myself into one course um maybe i'm a little selfish in that but i think that's kind of i think that's one of the things with golf you just you want to try to take advantage of all the different tracks out there and Mm -hmm. any experiences that go along with it okay if you could caddy or coach any player active or retired who would it be you're hating like you call it right now not Mikey Cullen. <laughs> no, Mikey, Mikey Cullen's a good egg. Um, coach or caddy, any one person. You know, I, I've often, you know, I've I've had conversations with people how, you know, one of the things I really enjoy is a professional. <clears throat> and I've had, you know, I, I'm not this way, but I've had some success. I've had actually a lot, lot of success. A lot more success than I can admit with um, my, or my clients have had more success because of our work together. Um, I think it would really be, and I worked with some high-level players, you know, obviously, you know, yourself included being a collegiate player, but um, and, and many of my, my junior golfers have gone on to be golf professionals or, you mm-hmm. know, very successful players at, at a high amateur level. But to work with, 
I think really to work with um, somebody on one of the tours, you mm-hmm. know, whether it be male or female, would be really, I think, really rewarding. Huge, you know, huge challenge, but um, yeah, I think that would be ultimately that that would be something uh, kind of a bucket list thing. You know, it would be really cool yeah. to, to have the opportunity to work with somebody at that very elite level. So it's a player um, mind that you have. I don't know. I mean, there, there's just, I mean, the talent out there is, yeah. is crazy, whether it's on the the ladies' side or on the men's side. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't know. I think I think either would be great. So I, I, don't, I can't really say, you know, is there like somebody, like, do I like a, a given player? Yeah. Um, you know, I think we all have our few fans, but I don't know if they would necessarily be, you know, somebody I want to work with either, you know? So who's... Who's your fan favorite, or who's your favorite golfer? Um, well, I've always kind of been a, a Phil Mickelson fan. You know, even through all the the stuff he's gone through the last few years, you look at his. I mean, look at how he played in the Masters this yeah. year. Um, you know, at the, at the age he wins the PGA. Um, PGA. I mean, Kiowa. That, I mean, that was like crazy. You know, mm-hmm. you know, Vegas didn't even see that one coming. Yeah. So. Um, you know, and, and I think even just to be around that mix of people, um, just to kind of, you know, rub elbows with them. Yeah. I mean, I got, you know, one of my good friends, uh, I grew up with the Stevens family, and, and Billy was is, uh, was a superintendent for years. He's the one that we played uh, the country club, and his brother Chris is up in, in North Country in uh, the Adirondacks, and brother Joe is down in South Carolina. Great, great guys. Um, and like Joe years ago, being in golf, he he ended up. I think maybe at the Masters, he ended up hooking mm-hmm. up with John Daly, and and the story with that is they ended up in his RV mm-hmm. and singing and playing guitar. But but the the story behind all that is John Daly, a guy that you know you know everybody kind of wonders what he like. He said he was the nicest guy. Mm-hmm. Sat down. Hey, where are you from? You know, how many brothers and sisters you got? What yeah. do your mom and dad do? Just so I mean, those are the those are the things I think you get out of. I mean, you talk about coaching and caddy; it's kind of that personal space that yeah. you get into when you start working with whether whether it's an elite player or you know somebody I deal with right here at Wakona. I think mm-hmm. it's just building relationships, and and that's really what the what the bottom line is. Okay. And what's your go-to drink on the course slash 19th hole? Well, right now i got a long drink in front of me. So that's kind of been my my drink. Um, my drink of choice when I come off the, the course okay. in the last couple of years. So the white long drink has kind of been where it's at. Good choice. Trying to, you know. Trying to reduce the Buddha Valley with the it says zero sugars and carbs on here. I don't know what that's doing, but but uh, we're, you know we're gonna run with it. Right. Like I say, you know, rounds of shape, so yeah. I'm in shape. All right. <laughs> And that was Mark Dwayne on the Country Club Outlaw podcast. As always, give us a follow on Instagram at Country Club underscore Outlaw, on YouTube at Country Club Outlaw, TikTok Country Club Outlaw 23, and on Twitter at CC Outlaw 23. 
Have a great day and stay tuned for our next episode. Tell me one more time just so I understand. Are you sure Hank done it this way?